Epic gumdrop, sweeter than doing pogos and endos on a penny farthing. A quick reminder that listeners who want detailed show notes and links to games discussed in this episode can head over to BreakingDads.com. You can also find episode one of the series, uh, so you don't need to listen to that one, though, to enjoy this one, as we'll talk about totally different games this time. Uh, as always, thanks to everyone listening for letting other people know about the show. Did I say that properly? You did this time. I used you, English. Yes, that was good. Always appreciated. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, at EpicGumDrop. That's right. So, yeah, I already ruined the. I spoiled it. What are we going to talk about today? Well, hello, James, first off. Oh, hey, you. Hey, guy. I don't know. What are we going to talk about? I feel like you just gave a paragraph. I, I totally ruined it. Sports. Sports. <laughs> but this is part two. Part this time, two. it's personal. This time, we go barely farther down the alphabet. <laughs> this time, we attack Again. a letter with bigger. <laughs> it's bananas. Uh, yeah, yeah, we go baseball, basketball, and bicycle cycling as our three groups that we're going to do today the three uh, b's as i like to call all i was i had a big plan yeah i'd crunch these out and then i was like oh i guess i'm not going to do the other two sports i'd intended to do because it was so much here with these three yeah not this surprising. is uh these are three big sports worldwide so let's uh start out with baseball all right baseball has 476 titles listed Ooh. in the board game geek database uh for this family and it also takes the number three spot of uh sports with the most game titles listed with this part, we can go way back. So, Jeff, uh, when do you think the first baseball-themed game shows up in the BGG? Oh, God. why do you always put me on the spot like this? Uh, uh, okay, baseball's been around a while, hmm. so it's going to be in the 1800s, but people will want to have manufacture and play board games and have some sort of disposable income and free time. I'm going to say 1843. I like how your brain works. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and they're like, "Work through the answer out loud." Yeah, no, it's good. I like that. No, you don't win any money. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Although there's two kind of two answers for this. Okay. Um, if you just go by the first year, they list Bagatelle, which is historically a billiards-like game that focuses on getting a ball past pins and into holes. Wikipedia says it evolved into bar billiards, and there's some argument about the history, but basically sometime after 1819, the Bagatelle was standardized at 7 feet 21 inches. So this original version isn't exactly the kind BGG is talking about in relation to baseball. If you've ever got one of those stupid little plastic games with a tiny ball and a spring-loaded plunger that you get like in a you know a birthday goodie bag, right, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, that's essentially it, and it would be one that was themed with baseball. It's a pretty big stretch to call that a baseball game in many ways, I feel like. Yeah. It could be any. I mean, it was themed with everything. So, eh. But I think the first baseball baseball game that BGG lists, however, is Reed's Game of Baseball, 1885. Well, I'd like to just now point out that if you take 85 and, uh -huh. I and do math. 1819, if you average those two, I'm right there in the 40s. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so. You were so close to being right. It's almost. Amazing. I found the median answer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So the description they give tells us that Reed's game of baseball is a dexterity game where the players use little wooden bats to whack a dowel seated in a groove on the edge of the game board. The space where the dowel comes to rest indicates which baseball play has occurred. Not super exciting, but this time period sees a frenzy of baseball-related games being produced. The BGG lists four titles for the following year, 1886, two titles for 1888, two for 1890, and so on, and it hasn't really stopped since then. Mm-hmm. 
This explosion of popularity isn't a coincidence, though. As baseball rose in popularity in America in the late 1800s, there were attempts to take an amateur sport and turn it professional. The 1870s uh, brought us attempts at forming a quote-unquote major league and saw the birth of the National League. This amateur professional conflict basically ended through this time period, and you end up with the competition between the National League and the American Association. This competition and the eventual first attempts at a World Series between the two leagues is the time period when board game baseball explodes in popularity. I just want to take a quick moment um, mm-hmm. to let people know, um, how is it a World Series? Well, yeah, it's a, a very small world. Hey, this East Coast-based team is playing yeah. this other East Coast-based team. All, you know, all the people have been in America so long they forgot the rest of the world exists, <laughs> I think, at that time period. The world was a very time place. They didn't yeah. have telephones I, I, and I'm they not weren't saying sending that... emails to their relatives back home in you know, all the rest of right. Europe. Because a Canadian baseball team's not beating anyone. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway sorry it's, that's a it, doesn't that's, it I sound impressive it is like they, they win it create, and I'm they, they pour the, champagne on their heads the and they america go, series yeah, it's, we are the champions of the world and it's yeah. like okay sure yeah all right you're gonna call it the world series that yeah sounds, that sounds rad yeah I'm anyway wrong. i digress sorry no you know, you're only taken away from the next amazing title, Jeff, which is Parker Brothers Roll and Move Game, which is a representative of uh, this with their, it's called The Professional Game of Baseball, 1890. So, oh, Parker Brothers. Oh, you just hit it right there. Professional Game of Baseball. Yeah. Why? I don't want none of that amateur sportsmanship. It simulates baseball with all the rolling and the moving and then the doing what it says. It's almost like a real game. Yeah. Isn't that how you play? Like the batter steps I, up. I think so. He rolls a dice yeah. to see if he gets to go to first. And yeah, the pitcher and the batter or the yeah. uh, uh, back catcher, they both roll yeah. dice. They see what's going on. Back catcher, catcher. Back catcher. And I like that. Oh, the words aren't coming to me. I was trying to I have not even thought about the positions. I don't watch baseball. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. eh? <laughs> Although I don't, I, I like baseball. I just mm-hmm. can't watch it. It's too. I can watch baseball live, but that has more to do with being at a ballpark. Right. Exactly. Then I bet a lot of people are like, yeah. That. It's but like, anyway, like watching golf on TV. Why would I do that? But I wouldn't watch golf live either. Mm, not good point. Yeah. Anyway. All right. We're getting ahead of the alphabet. <laughs> yes, let's move on. That's geez. That's, that's months from now, Jeff. <laughs> there are so many board games trying to capitalize on the explosive popularity of baseball during these early years of the sport. It leads to a lot of variations and eventually innovation in how to represent it in game form. While early games seem to be either miniaturized physical representations of the bat, field, ball, etc., or just a loosely themed roll and spin and move style game, there were a few big changes. One is the electric ball game uh, that we talked about in our electric cardboard episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other is the use of baseball cards. So you get Big League Baseball Card Game, 1949, APBA Pro Baseball, 1951, and Harry's Grand Slam Baseball Game, 1962. Those are a few early examples. Baseball's a statistics-heavy game, and the cards were a great way to tap into the fans' love of detail. Imagination replaces literal gameplay in these more detailed simulations. There's so many games through the 50s and 60s that it's just a blur when you look through it. Um, One title from this period which sticks out and which has a tremendous staying power because it still ranks number three in BGG's baseball game list, it's Stratomatic Baseball, 1962. Here's the description for the living uh, baseball game that, if you're not familiar with it, an iconic Major League Baseball game that is so well-known that it is exhibited in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. The game is conducted with pitcher and batter cards constructed with statistical probabilities so that they realistically reproduce the real-life performance of each player for the season represented. 
The gamer is placed in the role of the manager and or general manager of a team and controls the batting order, the choice of starting pitcher, game strategies, hit and run, steals, intentional walks, bunting, positioning of infielders, pinch hitters, defensive substitutions, pitching changes, etc. If a full season is played, the game produces amazingly realistic statistics at the player, team, and league levels. The game comes in two versions, a card and dice version that has been around since 1962, and a computer version that automatically looks up play outcomes and compiles player, team, and league statistics. Every year, Stratomatic releases new player card sets based on the previous baseball seasons, seasons past, and some greats collections. Uh, They also note on the Stratomatic website that If you are a board gamer, choose card sets from 1911 to the present. For the most recent seasons, you may expand your rosters with additional players. Excellent for full season replays and what-if projects. Here you will find total cards that combine the statistics for players who are with multiple interleague teams in a season. Look here to find the players who made a splash as a late-season call-up or who played key roles before injury cut their season short. Yeah. You can almost see the sweat, hear the curses, feel the spray of chewing tobacco. Like, if I were a baseball fanatic, this game is heaven. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I am not, it's a bit much. I look at that and go, okay. Yeah, that's... that's, that is the fanatics game that's for like, sure that's like in a game of accounting where i actually go to a job seven five days a week and, and do accounting right like it's it's bananas um but i cannot help but be impressed by the exhaustiveness of uh, the, like any of the stratomatic yeah. stuff like it's just amazing it's games like this in avalon hills uh, status pro baseball 1971 that must have really appealed to the hardcore fans Mm-hmm. You, because you'd be in heaven if that was if you're a stats person. Oh, it's it's a, a good way for the stats on the page to come to life in a meaning meaningful way for you, uh, which is yeah. what you know. I mean, that's what baseball is. It's like, oh, this guy's batting average in this year was this, and that guy's batting average in this other year was that, and and uh, you feel like you can compare eras yeah. a lot better than most other sports, and you really feel like you were a manager when mm-hmm. you're when you're handling that kind of detail. Yeah. Like it's it's really playing the dream team sort of thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can definitely see the appeal, but it's such a, it's you, a slog. Well, you're living, if you live baseball, yeah, I, I could definitely see it. If you're a casual gamer, no, you yeah. look at that and you just be hor- like, it, it scares me a little. I'm sure everyone who was super into this game uh, as a kid had a friend who just stopped coming over. Right. Oh, totally. Because yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I liked it, but I don't know if I like it as much as I, you do. I'm scared of it. Yeah. And if you were one of those lucky people to have a friend that was just as into it, because I know there's guys who have been running baseball leagues for 30 years. Wow. You know, with with uh, the, uh, both of those games, one or the other of those two games, and yeah, they just keep going every year. Man. Uh, fantastic. Oh yeah. 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 There's very few games I can imagine where you actually get that length of gameplay out mm-hmm. of it consistently and. You would know it so intimately, yeah. so it would be a total part of yep. your life. A recent attempt at capturing the earlier baseball cards plus simplified gameplay, where, again, everything looks simple after Stratomatic, yeah. is uh, Bottom of the Ninth, uh, 2015. Uh, designers Daryl Lauder and Mike Mullins bring us a light, fast two-player game. A totally different kind yeah. of approach. Uh, here's what the publisher said about that one. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. The game is tied. It's down to the home team to score one run to win it all. Unfortunately, the home team is staring down the league's best closer. 
A dicing card game for two players, Bottom of the Ninth brings all the excitement of the final three outs of a baseball game into a compact 5-20 to 20 minute game session. With variable player strengths, bluffing slash deduction, and die rolling, only the pitcher knows what's coming and the batter needs to keep his eyes peeled. Bottom of the Ninth is played over the course of three outs or four hits for one run scored whichever occurs first. Bottom of the ninth includes tons of variable player powers, myriad customizable lineups, the possibility of two added expansion packs and rules for advanced leagues and solo play to keep gamers wanting to play ball time and time again. Or just play whatever. That That's a lot closer to my speed yeah. and knowledge of the sport. Five yeah. to 20, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, exactly. And you Life, understand. Lifestyle choice, no. Yeah, yeah. There's no, uh, there's no like uh, huge manager decisions here. It's, no. uh, it's about trying to find the right pitch and swing at the right time and make contact and advance the runners and try to score. And I'm intrigued that you can get, like the game invites that uh, chasm of mm-hmm. like, there's just, there's so, there's that game and then there's, you know, the statistics and there's a world in between. Yep. And it's amazing. Not all sports have that. Mm-hmm. Like badminton, for instance, did, yes. not, did not have that as we saw last episode. <laughs> sports Illustrated and <laughs> did not do their whole uh, badminton. Yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons baseball's invited so many games is just that it is paced right for a baseball for a board game. Yeah, right. Like it's very obvious at every moment what everyone's doing on the field and why they're doing it. Yeah. The pitcher is trying to either get the ball past the batter or make them hit it somewhere on the ground or a fly ball, what have you. The fielders are trying to stop the runners from advancing. The runners are trying to advance. It's not, it's not, uh, the assignments are less variable. And I wonder if that, that shift in strategy um, led, led to it becoming such, such a statistics heavy sport. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, that's what you have to work with. There's a lot of downtime too, to yeah. talk about statistics. Yeah, I, I guess think so. that, that helps. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which also lends itself well to gaming when you have data. Yeah, that you can work with, and it gives you weird gameplay mm-hmm. statistics or gameplay strategy and gameplay mechanics, as opposed to just being like, uh, "My guy did stuff, he moves." Yeah, which is yeah. kind of cool. Unless um, you're playing a Parker Brothers roll and move. Yeah, in which case, now not all of those make me want to play baseball no. games, uh, but there's still one out there that kind of I I might make me a baseball yep. convert. If there's one that can do it, it's the the top-ranked baseball game. It's Mike Fitzgerald's Baseball Highlights 2045, uh, 2015 title. Let's read the flavor text and the game description for that one. American baseball was on its last legs as a spectator sport. Football had to become the predominant national pastime. That is until the year 2032, the year baseball decided to revolutionize the game and regain the throne. Starting in 2032, baseball games were shortened to six innings. Pitchers were encouraged to have bionic arm implants to improve their pitching. These cyborgs, or borgs as they're affectionately known, were immediately popular and soon ruled the league. In 2041, robotic players were introduced to get more offense back into the game. These robots were similar to designated hitters in that they were used only to bat and did not field. However, recent reports indicate fielding bots are on the way. Now in 2045, human players are still in the game and no one is naturals. They are the best fielders by far, but are sorely challenged when it comes to hitting and pitching. Some naturals have learned to hit by swinging before the pitcher starts his windup, which gives them a chance to hit the ball. Although it's hard for a natural to get into the league, those who do are popular. Many naturals have named themselves after the great players of the pre-2032 baseball by taking a first and last name borrowed from different star players of the past. The fans love them and their presence on the team encourages ensures good revenue. The stage is set, the fans are energized, and root fanatically for their new favorites, be they bots, borgs, or naturals. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the I like the premise. I do. And then he gives the uh, a little bit of here on the how this thing plays out now okay. that you've got the... I, I like the flavor. 
baseball highlights 2045 is like watching TV highlights of the early 20th century baseball games with gameplay being full of theme with no outs or innings and without bogging down in play-by-play baseball simulation. In this quick and interactive game, two players build their teams as they play, combining both strategy, building your team, and tactics, playing the game, without any of the downtime. During each minigame, each player alternates six cards to simulate a full game's highlights. The minigame includes defensive and offensive actions, and your single card play may include elements of defensive and or offensive plays. Do you try to thwart your opponent's pending hits, put up a strong offensive action of your own, or use your better players to do both? Players buy new free agents after each minigame to improve their roster, and the team who wins the most minigames in the series is the champ. I can totally see why this game ranks so highly. Like, you took the best bits of the sport, set them in the future, added some interesting mechanics, Mm -hmm. and cooked it down to 45 minutes. Yep. Um, Even if you're someone who only understands a game at a fairly high level like me, that's not a problem. This is one of those titles that digs deep into the sport and comes out with something innovative and refined. It also really is one of the only ones that super interests me. And maybe it's the robots and cyborgs and all of that. Yeah. I kind of think it's... You know, it's interesting to see when you get somebody that really loves the sport and understands it so deep that they can pull out the best yeah. bits and extract out this kind of essence of the game mm-hmm. and create something from there as opposed to pure simulation or pure yep. just fluff like the you know, Park Brothers. So yeah. it's it is a it's interesting because you, you see more and more of that with um, contemporary game design where people are finally they're really simmering out all of the uh, unnecessary mm-hmm. bits. Yeah, it's- yeah. just trying to distill it down to that, uh, you know, the essence of sports at the end of the day is one player versus another player or one group of players versus another group of players. And you're trying to score more and win. Yeah. So in baseball, you can either prevent the other guy from scoring or you can try to score yourself and try to just outscore them. Yeah. And it seems like this is a game that sort of boils down all the mechanics to uh, giving you the choice to do either or. Yeah. Or a little bit of both and try to build your engine like any deck builder and and come out on top. And I, I think that uh, getting rid of gameplay mechanics, that like real life mm-hmm. gameplay mechanics, they can be obtuse and keep people from wanting to engage the sport because yep. you kind of go, oh, I don't understand baseball. And it's, it's it would be a really hard challenge for a designer to understand the sport so well to make to boil it down, but mm-hmm. still make it appealing to somebody that's like me mm-hmm. who doesn't have deep knowledge of the sport, yep. might not understand all the, the terminology and all that. So well done. Baseball. Baseball. <laughs> so as you're, as an aside, if you're looking for another great games podcast to check out, I can't recommend Ludology enough. Um, baseball highlights 2045 designer Mike Fitzgerald co-hosts with fellow game designer Jeff Engelstein. Uh, it's a good one. Yep. He seems like a lovely fellow. <laughs> that that doesn't hurt. Um, let's walk over to our next sport, though. A lovely fellow. A lovely fellow. <laughs> it's, it's not like that. I don't know. I don't know him. So I'm assuming he's a lovely fellow. He sounds like it. Sounds like a nice guy. <laughs> what, oh, they, what should I say? He's a, no. he's a, he's a ripping chap. <laughs> I don't know. Just throw in terms. I he's enjoy, decent. I don't know why I enjoy that so much, but I do. He's, he's, he's probably not a criminal. <laughs> what am I going to say? <laughs> I can't definitively say he's not, <laughs> but probably from the sound of his voice. Yeah. So I can get, I, I will go with the, the positive. He affirmation. wouldn't kick a puppy if he passed by. <laughs> most likely. Most likely. Mike Fitzgerald. Okay. No, he seems like a nice guy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> go listen to them. <laughs> I've lost it now. Okay. Let's move on because you're I can't. A lo- you're a lovely fellow too, Jeff. Aw. Yeah. See? You're is okay. That... All right. So we're, what are we going to do next, do you think? Uh, we're in the bees mm. and we just did baseball. So I'm thinking basketball because you listed all the sports at the beginning oh right that's a good guess basketball 
it makes it onto the top 10 list of sports games with the most titles. It comes in at number nine of the 182 titles listed. No, with 182 or, or, titles. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. with 182 titles. Yeah. I immediately kind of wondered with this one how much board game strategy we would see in the sport. It seemed like it was less about numbers and behind-the-scenes plays and more about super-fast gameplay. But that could just be my childhood memories of watching 1980s basketball on TV, which it seemed reduced down to that. It was just like, oh, look, the Chicago Bulls have crushed somebody again. (laughs) The first BGG listing for a basketball game arrives not long after its invention uh, as a sport in 1891 by expat Canadian James Naismith. As Canadians, we are required by federal law to acknowledge this fact anytime baseball is discussed publicly or privately. Or even basketball. Oh, sorry. Did I say basketball? Oh you God. did. I'm you still did on baseball. it. I'm still on it. You're we, just thinking about baseball. I know. I can't stop thinking about it now. Well, yeah, we had nothing to do with ba- uh, baseball. I will say that. Basketball. No. Most other sports, we invented football. We'll talk about that some other day. <laughs> we invented we invented basketball. We invented hockey. We'll, take, we'll take basketball this time. You, you, uh, you can, Americans can have baseball and motorsports. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I don't think they invented motorsports. I uh, probably not. No, because the Europeans. Exactly. Yeah. But baseball, you got it. You got it. <laughs> Basketball. Let's talk about that some more. All right. Game publisher Chaff. I don't know how you say that one. Chaffy. Chaff. Probably Chaff. And Selcho brought us among various sport games uh, they produced the game of basketball. The game of basket space ball. Ball. Yep. I like that. Well, it's a ball in a basket, sir. Step right up. 1898, with its great cover of a group of women playing the game. Uh, Historian Margaret K. uh, K. Hoffer notes that women's basketball was introduced on the Northampton, Massachusetts campus of Smith College in 1892, less than one year after the game's invention. In 1898, when this game appeared, women were playing basketball at recreation centers, YWCAs, college gymnasiums, settlement houses, and high schools across the country. And I did not know that cool piece of history. No, neither did I. Which is kind of awesome. Um, I guess that's what he was involved, uh, the inventor there, James Naismith. Yes. I think he was involved somehow helping bring that to all of that. But yeah, really cool. It makes sense because uh, when he invented basketball, he was looking for a sport that rewarded strategy over physical attributes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I could see in the late 1800s, they're like, and women can play this too. Like like it's a, a huge deal. I guess, well, it's physical activity and it, yeah, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, they're not going to play football. This those. is, this will be less strenuous on their the, poor little hearts. Oh, gosh. Oh, the 1800s. <laughs> the next BGG listing isn't until 1921, which I thought was a, a, a huge and strange gap. Yep. Um, with the dexterity game, Star Basketball. After this, there's only a few titles again, but this started to make sense because the sport wasn't formalized until 1946 as the Basketball Association of America, the BAA, which becomes the NBA in 1949 after merging with the other competitive league, the National Basketball League, the NBL. From this point on, there is a steady stream of basketball board games. Right. So it entered the public consciousness. And I have to eat my words that basketball seems less about stats, though, as two of the top ranked bgg titles in this group are status pro basketball 1972 and stratomatic pro basketball 1973 from our discussion about baseball i think you can guess what these are all about there is also the play by uh play decision heavy game from avalon hill basketball strategy 1974 see i have a feeling that the uh status pros and the stratomatics um pro games rank highly in all the sports that have them because you have to be an obsessive type to play and enjoy them yeah and then you're going to... Well, there's, uh, there's off season. You need to play another game. You put so much time into them <laughs> that you're going to become uh, representative of the game in a way where you're going to really pull hard for it, right? That's true. Whereas, you know, like a roll and move or some other game, if you hate it, you'll just move on, right? So you're saying I should take off my Candyland t-shirt? Yes. 
The uh, the only other big surprise I saw here is that there's a single Michael Jordan themed game listed, Michael Jordan's Cosmic Court, 1996, which uh, must have been a marketing spinoff from the Space Jam movie, as it looks like. Um, that, I, was, that was the only big surprise for me. I think the reason for that is um, called video games. It could be. <laughs> yes. Also licensing fees. Yeah, exactly. And you'd have to sell how many board games to pay for Michael Jordan? 100 billion at yes. that time period. All of them ever. The highest ranked game in this category goes to Basket Boss. Basket Boss. 2009. One word, Basket Boss. Yeah. Here's a description. Each player of this game is the manager of a baseball team. No basketball still. <laughs> Draft good new basketball players. With each of these players, you can see what his expected value is in the next six seasons. And when you see his best field position his height, and how popular he is, which is good for your team funds. Get assistance from a trainer, player agent, banker, or even the referee to win the trophies. The trainer can bring your players on the level they would normally reach next season. The player agent helps you for getting good prices at the market tra transfer market. The banker gives you a good interest. Uh, the help of the referee makes your team quote-unquote stronger. Try to win the most valuable trophies during your manager period. That and good perspectives for the current season is all your team fans want. I love that they've taken this game and they've said, like, okay, hiring a, a trainer makes sense as a uh, basketball general manager, and hiring players makes sense, and even a banker makes yeah. sense. But I love the fact that you can get an agent in your pocket who's gonna who's gonna, you know, mess his clients out of money, yeah, signing sweetheart deals with your team, <laughs> exactly. And then you can also bribe referees to make your team quote unquote stronger, yeah, <laughs> which just means I guess that he's not they're not gonna call fouls on you, no, so. So good times in basket boss, <laughs> basket boss, basket boss. That sounds, um, I mean, yeah, I, they, they went for something there. They did. Yeah. They definitely tried to that. find a new angle on the whole thing and, and really and gamify. I, I like the idea of, you know, having multiple seasons that you're building your team over and yeah. trying to hit peak at a certain point. I would play this. I mean, I would try this one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it for, you know, kind of the, there's no baseball highlights for this one. Uh, if basketball was probably the closest we get there. Uh, so we will move on to bicycle cycling. Yay. Yay. We're moving from balls to wheels. <laughs> exactly. But we're still in the bees. I can't wait till you call this basketball three times. I will. <laughs> I, I guarantee you will. No, I'm going to still call baseball. Okay. I'm, I'm stuck. Who would have guessed that bicycle cycling would have more titles than basketball? Probably everybody but me. Or anyone who listened to last episode. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Shh. They, no, Sorry. Nobody listened to last episode. With 271 titles listed, it comes in at number seven on our sports list, and why wouldn't it? It's a fairly international sport, and it's essentially the same game mechanics as auto racing. The early titles in this category come to us from the late 1800s. There is a wide variety of roll spin and move games, such as, I'm going to mess this oh, up. so uh, good. Velocipede uh, Vedrenin, 1890, with its cool penny-farthing art, which represented bike technology at the time, big front wheel, or bikey. With two E's. Bikey! 1899, which shows us the safety bicycle that emerged from the 1880s and 1890s, the kind of bike we think of as a modern bicycle. Right. Regardless of the technology, this period is considered the golden age of bicycles. It was a great uh, recreational activity, and the price of bikes began to come down dramatically. The bicycle craze also brought social changes. Women's fashions of the time were not exactly bike-friendly. So it, it affected everything. If it's in the public consciousness, it's also going to appear in board games. And as an aside, it's interesting to note how this trend has never changed. Um, just look at how many Mars-themed board games are coming out That's, right now. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even count them. It makes sense because creative people 
tend to be influenced by what's going on around them. Capture that zeitgeist and yeah. put it out in uh, board game form. Um, uh, just as a quick aside on mm. uh, the change in women's fashions, it is amazing to look at old patents from this period where mm. women started to ride bicycles for bicycles that could be ridden by women and allow them to keep their modesty ah. because they it's like no they can't wear pants right they gotta wear a dress so there's some really weird bike designs that i don't think ever saw production <laughs> some horrible side seaters weird yeah with like baskets in them, like just really weird weird things i yes. think they didn't get past the... there was a side saddle bike oh it's so good it's there was so, so many good. injury like horrible 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 permanent injuries and muscle problems there they were like no we got to stop this yeah, <laughs> but so. I need more people to try try out my invention. No, no, no one will try your invention, sir. It's horrific. Yeah, it's sort of like the early days of flight where, yeah. where there's a lot of like, ah, let's try this. This will work. Yeah. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. I don't know physics, but I have a welder. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the breeze in my hair. Yes. <laughs> oh. Uh, anyway, there you go. Sorry, that's a weird aside. No, that's interesting. And uh, you can guess uh, with this one, with what we just said, that big hitters like Parker Brothers were, of course, in on the craze. Uh, Is there a game Parker Brothers hasn't made? No, no, there is not. The Game of Cycling, 1900, also printed as the Merry Game of Bicycling, 1900. (laughs) Both boxes show us a nice cover of men and women both enjoying a country ride together. Milton Bradley joins the party with Bicycle Race, 1910, an oval track racing game with a spinner. And from this point on, the the games become more about bicycling as sport, focusing on winding maps and little racers. And there's a lot of European titles yeah. listed in the BGG. The next big innovation in bikes, you know, seems to really come in the 1970s with the introduction of BMX. And of course, this will be represented by a dreadful looking <laughs> roll and move called BMX Challenge 1970. But that's only uh, that's the only BMX game listed until 1985. So BMX was invented in the 70s, but yeah, yeah. I guess we'll wait till 85. Raleigh Burner Freestyle BMX Card Game 19, yeah, comes out long, and it's well worth reading the box description on this one. BMX is one of the fastest growing sports today. Not everyone can get, a, get to race on a BMX track, but with care and skill, you can learn many freestyle quote-unquote tricks almost anywhere. You don't even have to own a BMX bike to play this game, but if you do, <laughs> playing it will show by quote-unquote stop action sequence. Wheelies, endos, pogos, buck and broncos, kick turns, and a lot more. The winner is the player who, quote-unquote, performs by collecting most of the freestyle, quote-unquote, tricks. The game is back by the people who who should know. Raleigh and their BMX factory team. Get to know your pogos from your endos. I'm assuming it ended with an explosion. I, it must have. <laughs> Rad. But this isn't the only radness <laughs> from publisher Waddington that year. They also brought us Raleigh Burner BMX game. Uh, with little plastic bikes, jumps, and berms. All these bizarre little That's pretty awesome. Bits. I like my favorite sentence of that whole thing is you don't even need to own a BMX bike to play this <laughs> yeah. game. Which I'm like <laughs> like uh like some poor kid's gonna open it up on Christmas morning like, yes, I'm gonna get a BMX bike so I can play my board game and dad's like, No, you don't even need it. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Back down to the basement with you, Bucko. <laughs> that um, I I want this game now. Like I just it, uh, I want to see what the stop motion. Works. I don't know if you do. It sounds a lot more rad. I I just no no. I think it'll be terrible. I, I oversold it, Jeff. No, <laughs> I think it will be terrible. It, it but I want terrible. to see like. I feel like the effort was there on this it one. It really looked horrific. At least the marketing effort, if not the... The marketing effort was there, definitely. And I, I love that this is a licensed game. It's crazy. That somebody was like, hey, hey, Raleigh, hey, hey, you yeah. make a good bike. You want to... Uh, you know how we get more people into extreme sports? Card games. Yeah. 
Totally. 1985 too. Like I, yeah, I definitely, I remember BMX had, maybe it was a resurgence in the mid eighties that BMX has had along with skateboards. I don't know. Well, cause, uh, what happened was, um, this is my theory. ESPN mm. came along. Was it by 85? I think so. I Wasn't it 82, 84? Cause a lot of the, the cool stuff was happening in the later eighties, but yeah, maybe. But I don't it started know. cause, uh, when ESPN came, they had to fill 24 hours of sports. Uh, maybe. Yeah. And so I you would know. have, you would have extreme, you'd have uh BMX, uh, bike cross races on television huh yeah this is a total theory with absolutely no foundational support Ooh, too bad we didn't have a computer to check the internet yeah uh oh well <laughs> let's shift gears a little bit before we get too overwhelmed by all the awesome of that shift previous gears no there's <laughs> n- there's no wordplay in this shift episode gears. i'm not doing it i'm not doing it jeff are you putting pulling the brakes on I'm, that i'm totally putting the brakes on Oh, really we continue oh, this yeah. podcast there, there there's i i buried so many in here it's awful the big title in this category is the 1992 uh spiel uh des Jahres winner um riefen brita i don't know if that's er- nope. remotely close nailed it yeah 1979 uh easily sets as a number one game rank spot for this family of games that's really impressive a 1979 number one it, it was is, modern uh, games around uh, I'm going to put a link uh, to a great article okay. outlining the history of this game. It's over at opinionatedgamers.com. They talked to designer uh, Rob uh, bon, Ball to unravel the story behind it. And it is fascinating and uh, teaser. It involves a warehouse fire. Um, they also give a nice over overview of the gameplay experience with it. Um, but I'll give you the brief BGG blurb of it. Translating as by the width of a tire... This game covers a Tour de France type bicycle race. Each player takes control of a four-member racing team, and the goal is to score as many points as possible for the whole team. Movement is primarily handled by dice. However, a limited card set partially replaces die results. Once you add unique roles, which allow riders to draft one another and multiple kinds of road surfaces, this game has much to offer race fans. At first, it sounds like a basic roll and move, but there is energy cards that affect gameplay considerably. It might not win the Spiel DRs award today, but it still sounds like a game I'd like to try. Some people are turned off by the cartoony art, but I think it fits the period perfectly. And uh, sadly, it was posted on BGG not so long ago uh, that uh, the designer, uh, Rob Bontemball, passed away October 23rd of last year. Mm-hmm. Very cool game. I And I, yeah, I would very much like to try that. It's interesting it took so long to, I guess, again, through the, the history of it, it just went through reprintings and yeah. stuff and, you know, eventually got us there but looks like a cool one but let's move on to the number two title in this category leader one it's a 2008 design from christophe leclerc and alain allier uh this game reminds us of the interesting advantage bike racing has over auto racing for game design modular hex tiles for the game board now to be fair 2008 also brought us antoine bauza's contribution to auto racing games with hurry cup which also uses modular hex setup, but this design seems somehow more suited to bike race like right. overall. When we think of the Tour de France, I think we mostly think of those brutal winding hills. And so, you know, that just, it works well. Yeah. I mean, we could get a, like a, a rally race game, I guess, in the automotive thing that uses this mechanic or setup as well, but bikes work good for it. Yep. Leader one also uses energy as a mechanic and I'll give the description of how this one plays. 
in each of the five teams, there are different types of cyclists. One uh, roulier, I guess. Roulier. Roulier. One climber and one leader. Different tracks can be arranged with the hexagons representing different types of routes. Plain, ground rise, mountain pass, and downhill. Every cyclist enjoys the benefits of a free base movement, which varies according to his specialty and according to the hexagon at the beginning of his movement. After this kind of movement, every racer can add a paying movement. Therefore, the race is based on the rider's energy management. Initially, the riders are all inside the peloton, where it is easier to save energy, but then they will have to find the proper movement moment to break away to open the definitive gap ahead of the peloton. The slipstreaming rule assures the simulation of the easier breaking away with a fellow, saving energy by swapping places. Cracks, falls, and punctures make the simulation more complete. Leader 1 has a simple yet fascinating mechanism. Players decide the placement and energy management of their riders facing all the elements of a classic or stage race. That um, sounds pretty cool. That does sound pretty yeah. cool. Like I I wouldn't have, I didn't come to this category thinking I would find some cool games I really mm -hmm. want to try and I was like no, I really want yeah, to try these. Yeah. They sound really neat. One of the other highly rated titles in this family is Breaking Away 1991. Uh, this time we leave the fresh air and enter the velodrome. Well, it seems like uh, player count varied with edition. Here's the basic description. Right. Breaking Away is a luck-free race game based on cycling. Players control a team of four cyclists. For each cyclist, the player chooses one of his available movement allowances and moves that, moves that many squares. Once all the cyclists have moved, the expended movement allowances are replaced with new ones, calculated according to the cyclist's position in the peloton. Being at the back of the group brings a high replacement value, and being at the front, a low one. Sprint points are earned by being among the first eight to cross the sprint line, so there is always a trade-off between slipstreaming or drafting the other players in order to build up high movement allowances and making a break for it to the front to be the first to cross the finish line. This one has a 60 to 90 minute gameplay. And the more I see the round tracks, the more I like the idea of playing on modular race boards. Yeah. That one reminded me a lot of the auto racing kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But that said, if you are a fan of bicycle racing, there are a lot of options for you. Um, some capture the general feel, some get a little into the detail of the sport. We glossed over some of the highlights, but there are a lot of possibilities presenting the feel of the, the game. Yeah, I feel like in uh, in some of those team race games, it would would you would feel very satisfied upon winning. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that's, you uh, would have done had to take into account so many things mm -hmm. to kind of succeed, and you would feel that there was a real give and take between yeah. the players, and... almost war game like. Yeah, but without losing units. Exactly. Yeah, where you're just planning and strategizing and trying to think ahead. Yeah, um, and that's very satisfying to me as a gamer. Which makes sense. That so far mm -hmm. we've seen that kind of overlap between uh, war game mechanics and sports as an interesting yes. concept, and how uh, maybe it's just us that we like those kinds of mechanics, where we like to. Yeah. It adds a, a, a strategic layer. But that, definitely that crossover between war and sports has always been there. It's just true. The the terminology in sports is yeah. all all war. It's true. <laughs> so it makes sense. That's it for this episode. Uh, <laughs> I thought we might escape the letter B this time, but that's all right, though. We dug a little deeper into the social history that leads to some of the innovations in these sports and explain some of the development of the sports in board game form. In the coming weeks, we'll continue digging through the board game sports alphabet. If you want to check our show notes for the game titles mentioned in this episode, uh, you should find a link to our show page in your podcast feed. Please hit the comments. Let us know about any games we should have mentioned, if you've got any favorites for any of those, or correct any wild inaccuracies. There are very likely some. <laughs> uh, you can also find me at Epic Gumdrop on Twitter. Uh, until next time, I've been James. And I'm still Jeff.